Ditra Public Affairs presents Discussions with Ditra, where the Defense Threat Reduction Agency brings together subject matter experts to discuss meeting today's challenges of WMD and emerging threats, increase awareness, and deliver morale-boosting information. And now, today's show. Welcome, and thank you for listening to Science, Facts, and Common Sense, a conversation with Dr. Rebecca Dunphy on the false BioLab narratives targeting the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. The Cooperative Threat Reduction Program assisted former Soviet biological weapons research facilities and outdated health surveillance laboratories to support peaceful and safe biological detection and diagnostic capabilities and to reduce the threats posed by pathogens, whether they are naturally occurring, accidental, or intentional. In Ukraine, Cooperative Threat Reduction helped fund security upgrades to former Soviet biological research labs, enabling Ukraine to detect and report disease outbreaks before they pose security or stability threats. These Ukrainian facilities are and have always been owned and operated by the government of Ukraine, which aims to improve human and animal health capacity for the people of Ukraine. In 2014, Russia's invasion of Ukraine caused two biological threat reduction program upgraded labs to fall behind enemy lines. Before the podcast begins, there are two disclaimers that we would like to mention. These disclaimers appear on screen in the video version of this podcast. At 7 minutes and 13 seconds, Dr. Dunphy mentions how anthrax was disposed at Vaz Island. The disclaimer on the screen goes into detail of how it was disposed, reading, On Vaz Island, large trenches were dug and lined with plastic sheets filled with water and HEPA chloride to create a neutralizing agent. 12 tons of Soviet anthrax was moved to the mixture and left to sit for 24 hours. The next day, the contaminated soil was tested to verify it was neutralized, and once confirmed, the neutralized earth was returned to the surrounding area. At 18 minutes and 34 seconds, Dr. Dunphy mentions a document that was signed by Russian scientists who stated that they believed the Ukrainian biolab allegations were false. Two article links appear on screen stating where you can learn more, and you can find those links in the description. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Russia has been maligning Defense Threat Reduction Agency, or DITRA, programs and personnel in an attempt to undermine the integral role the agency plays in U.S. and international security. Russia seeks to erode DITRA's capability to prevent and prevail over WMD threats by driving wedges between DITRA and international partners in peaceful, non-proliferation efforts. For Russia, WMD disinformation is cheap and it can be effective when playing on primal fears. As Russian officials invoke increasingly outlandish claims detracting from crucial international discourse on nonproliferation, it is important for DITRA to provide truth and demonstrate the illogicality proffered by Russian purveyors. Join us today as we speak to a subject matter expert from DITRA at the Biological Threat Reduction Program who has firsthand experience with DITRA's former partnership with Russia and the ongoing disinformation campaign aimed at the agency. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ditcher Talks. I'll be your host today, Andrea Cheney, and with me today is Dr. Rebecca Dunphy, the Chief of Science for our Biological Threat Reduction Program at Didra. Dr. Dunphy received her doctoral degree in virology from Harvard University, and her specific expertise is related to identifying viral variants that could impact public health. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having And I'll me. go ahead and just kick it off and have you start and give us a brief introduction, introduction of who you are and why you are here today. All right. Well, thanks again for having me. I'm happy to be here and talk about the very important work that our program is doing, um, part of the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program. That's been um, a program at the DOD, the Department of Defense, for over 30 years. 
And I'm very excited to talk about the work we're doing with all of our partner countries to reduce the threats posed by infectious diseases through the Biological Threat Reduction Program, or BTRP for short. And so a little bit about my background. I've been working with the Biological Threat Reduction Program for over 10 years in some capacity, um, looking at all of the scientific and technical things that the program has done to cooperatively work with our partners. So we're here today because there there has been a lot of false information mm -hmm. and, and disinformation and accusations perpetrated by nations such as Russia and China. I'm sure the audience mm -hmm. is even familiar with some of that, specifically referring to the U.S. bio labs, mm -hmm. uh, mistakenly called the you know secret labs, all those mis misnomenclatures in Ukraine and other Eastern European states. So why don't you just uh, tell us as the subject matter expert, what kind of work does Ditcher do or mm -hmm. has done in Ukraine? Okay. Absolutely. And I think I would start off by bringing it to the big picture and state right off the bat that the Department of Defense does not develop biological weapons, um, nor do we work with our foreign partners to do so. And so I think that that is a very important point to make up front. Um, and we have been working cooperatively with partners from both Ukraine and the former Soviet Union for over 30 years. And so we have been engaged with these partners to reduce threats as opposed to support bioweapons or other sort of secret biological um, laboratories. And so starting in 2005, we became engaged with Ukraine as a cooperative partner to work with them to strengthen their facilities. They inherited a lot of facilities from the Soviet Union that were aimed at um, potentially building weapons of mass destruction or components of that. Um, and so we have worked to secure those facilities and other facilities working on um, reducing threats from the uh, biological um, pathogens and infectious diseases. Um, we've been working with them to provide training and equipment. Um, and we've also been working them in cooperative biological um, biosurveillance projects to look at sort of the threats that might be present in that part of the, the world. So can you tell me, as the subject matter expert here today, what kind of work has Ditcher done or is doing still in Ukraine? Uh, absolutely. So I'd like to start off by saying right off the bat that the U.S. Department of Defense does not develop biological weapons, nor do we support our foreign partners to do so. And so all of the work that we have done is peaceful and cooperative in nature to reduce the threats and not support development. Um, so with Ukraine specifically, we've been engaged with that partner since 2005. Um, and we've been working with them on securing um, the facilities and the capabilities that they inherited when the fall of the Soviet Union um, created uh, sovereign nations that had components of the weapons of mass destruction programs um, that existed in the Soviet Union. And so we have worked with the partners to secure both the biological facilities and infectious disease sites, about 46 in total. Um, and these range from biological laboratories to um, remote field sites that are in detecting and diagnosing infectious diseases. Um, we are also working with them on training and equipment provision, and also studies that monitor the potential biological threats that might be in that region of the world. 
And one thing I will say about all the facilities that we've worked with Ukraine, that these are Ukrainian-owned and operated facilities. So our program and the Department of Defense does not own or operate any of these labs. Uh, we may go and visit to monitor ongoing activities where we're supporting construction or renovation, uh, but these are solely Ukrainian-owned and operated. Very, very good. Uh, so it sounds like uh, your program, the U.S. government, has come in for, for positive purposes to, to provide support and then and kind of hand off the responsibility to the Ukrainians exactly. and overall for the, the safety mm -hmm. of their country and the world. Dr. Dumphy, can you speak to the kind of biological hazards that were removed from these Russian facilities? Uh, I can a little bit, yes. And so when the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program went into these areas, into Ukraine as well as other countries, we found that these facilities were really in a state of disrepair, that they needed to be secured, that there was infrastructure and equipment that was falling apart. And so we worked to basically secure and remediate these, these types of infrastructure and um, equipment so that it was more secure and safe for our partners. And so a couple of examples of this would be at, there was a there was a testing site in Uzbekistan um, called Vazradenya Island, or Vaz Island for short, and we removed 12 tons of anthrax from the soil in that, um, in that island <clears throat> testing facility that was part of the um, leftovers from, from testing that, that, um, you know, that weapon. We also went into Kazakhstan in the Stepnogorsk production facility and dismantled the equipment that was present there. Um, in Ukraine, we have not necessarily dismantled that kind of large infrastructure or found that we needed to you know, shore up any facilities, but we did have to provide repairs, construction and renovation to make sure that their facilities were safe and also to make sure that they had the right types of training and equipment to do the mission of making sure that they could detect infectious diseases. For some of these cleanup operations mm -hmm. you just mentioned, and Ditcher's heavily heavily involved in supporting that, is there any other interagency partners or foreign partners that helped with that? Oh, yes. We work with many interagency partners and also partners around the globe. And so the Biological Threat Reduction Program often works with the World Health Organization, um, some United Nations organizations around food and agriculture, um, we work with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the U.S. State Department. And so all of our partners, um, it's really sort of a international effort in our partnership with Ukraine. It isn't just us working with them. And Ukraine has been a very good partner and very transparent in working with us. I, I really find that mission pretty fascinating, and I think our audience would. Um, I just had some technical questions of like, how long does an operation like that, let's take Vaz Island, for mm -hmm. example, um, how long does that take? Is that, a, is that a year long project? Is it multiple years? Those are usually multiple year projects because not only are you working to go in there and potentially remove the threat and remediate it, but you also want to ensure that the capacity that you are either taking away or providing um, can be sustained by that partner. And so if we are strengthening 
the security of a facility or we are providing training to our partners, we want to ensure that they are able to maintain that and even build upon it in the future. And so we're looking to strengthen their own capability to do this because, again, this isn't a Department of Defense capability that we're building. This is a Ukrainian partner capacity that we're aiming to aiming to work with them to strengthen. Very good. Um, and I it looks like or sounds like you um, these these some of these cleanups, Stepnogorsk and Vaz Island, mm -hmm. those were that's up to 20 years ago now at this mm -hmm. point, right? Yes. What happens post um, deemed clean? Like <laughs> is, is the land I mean, is the land just done at that point or what, what do we do going forward? Well, so I think for those particular areas, we've we've cleaned things up. We've determined that it's cleaned up. And so. What we would continue to do is to work with our partners to monitor and ensure that there's nothing that might pop up later on that they weren't aware of. Uh, we may also, if we're working with our partners on training or equipment, we may help them by refreshing the equipment or potentially providing repairs to a facility or doing refresher training to kind of continue to ensure that those capabilities that we're trying to provide them um, are maintained long term. So your program, uh, BTRP, is part of the overall Cooperative Threat Reduction mm -hmm. Program, which has a pretty rich history and, and a long mm -hmm. legacy to its name, now part of DIDRA, which we're lucky to, mm -hmm. to have. Um, I know it was formerly known as the Nunn-Luger Program. Our audience might relate to that. But can you speak a little bit about CTR's bigger, bigger history overall? Yes, of course. So the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program was basically born out of the fall of the Soviet Union. And so Senators Nunn and Lugar recognized that there was a threat posed when the Soviet Union broke up and there were these new sovereign countries that had these components of former weapons programs and systems in them. Um, and they didn't necessarily have the capability or capacity to deal with those threats all on their own. And so Congress began the program to work cooperatively with these countries in the former Soviet Union, which included Russia, actually, um, to help dismantle, secure, and eliminate those threats. So Russia cleaned up their own problem. Correct. <laughs> Correct. They were, they were a willing partner in working with us cooperatively for many years. Knowing all that and that, you know, Russia actually was was part of cleaning up their own problem. And, and we continue to take that on and continue today, even working with that as the mm -hmm. U.S. government. Um, it must fr frustrate you guys a little bit to to see what they're saying now and hear what they're saying now when they they were our partners at one time. What, right. what else can you say about that? So it is a little confusing to hear them talk about how we are being very um, secretive and that we aren't being transparent about the work we're doing with Ukraine because our history with the former Soviet Union and with Russia themselves has been part of this very transparent cooperation. And we worked with Russia as well on three areas where we also have been working with Ukraine, biological safety and security, um, the infrastructure and elimination, and also those cooperative um, studies to monitor threats. Russia was also a willing partner in a lot of the, that work with our program in the past. And so we're, we're doing the same types of activities with Ukraine and other partners. 
And so Russia is very familiar with what we're trying to do because they were our cooperative program uh, partner for a long time in those efforts. The allegations about the studies that we're supporting um, to monitor threats in particular has been a little bit confounding because Russia participated in some of those very same studies. And in fact, even recently, if you do a search via the internet and you look up studies on you know, any of the bioweapons programs, types of pathogens that they accuse us of you know, doing you know, illegal research on, you'll see that they are also investigating some of the same problems because these are infectious disease threats that are impacting everybody globally and not just you know, the US and their, and their partners. And so even as recently as 2022, there was a manuscript that the Biological Threat Reduction Program supported the publication of, and there was a Russian author working with the Ukrainians to, you know, characterize soil pathogens to sort of, you know, very, very open and transparent work. And so the fact that Russia is saying that we're being secretive and that we're working on, you know, offensive research is just flat out wrong. It's interesting because there is a project that they keep bringing up in the allegations that they put forth, which is a project that's on migratory birds. And I think we called it UP4, which just stands for Ukrainian Project. Nothing nefarious about that. But... It accuses us of, you know, cooperating on this nefarious research. But if you, again, do an internet search, you'll find that Russia supported some of the very same types of studies on the same types of scientific questions. And so, again, these are global biological threats that impact everybody. And, you know, our goal is to be open and transparent about that work and support other countries and being open and transparent as well. So what if I Google UP4, will I see a bunch of transparent you'll probably projects? You'll probably see a picture of a, of a map of the world with like these lines that show the different migration patterns of, of birds and, you know, the fact that they may carry these viruses that are of danger to humans or other animals. And if you looked up the, the Russian authored paper, you'd see the same map. <laughs> with the same picture of the world with these pathways. So you could put them side by side and not be able to tell which project they came from. So your program and, and Ditcher specifically has found themselves in the, in the news and, and amidst some conspiracy theories and all that over the last couple of years. Uh, I know last year, you particularly, you specifically participated in the Biological Weapons Convention with some other panelists from mm -hmm. your organization. What can you say about that? What were some revelations? What the Rus how did the Russians handle that? Some partner mm -hmm. nations and, and the U.S. government? Yes, yeah, so that was a very interesting experience because it was a session that basically we joined the Ukrainians in kind of defending our cooperative work against the Russian allegations that we are doing something nefarious. And I specifically had been part of that group from the Defense Reduction Agency that went there uh, to talk about our work, specifically around the scientific work that we do with our Ukrainian partners. And what I found really interesting about that was that when we met up with the Ukrainians to talk about, here's the different 
points that we would like to bring up to refute these allegations. The scientific points that I was bringing up were the same ones that the Ukrainian scientists were also bringing up. So what's even more interesting about that is that these were often the same points that other member nations at the at the meeting were were raising as well. And I think even the Russian public and scientists in the Russian Federation agreed that there's nothing nefarious about these types of studies and this type of scientific work. And so that was a eye-opener for me because, you know, you're coming from two different cultures. And even though we've been working together for a long time with the Ukrainians, the fact that we can independently come up with the same talking points and the same points to refute these allegations is an indicator that you know everybody's coming with the same truth as opposed to these false allegations that are coming our way. I heard you just say that you, you think Russian scientists feel the same way. Uh, what do you? Why do you say that? So I believe there was a uh, document that was signed by a maybe a thousand uh, Russian scientists uh, that sort of said, you know, we believe these allegations are false and, and we believe in the peaceful intent of this type of work. When the public hears about these labs, and, and you're educating us very well on, on what they really do, but Russia still screams pretty loud of what they think we're doing mm -hmm. and are trying to convince the public it's, it's pretty nefarious and, and wrong. Um, it's, it's been seen on Twitter and, and it's been reported that human experimentation is part of this. Mm -hmm. What can you say about that as the official representative? We don't do anything that is at all involved in human experimentation. The work that we support is all on ensuring the security of the facilities, ensuring that people are working with samples that they're collecting to you know, as part of diagnostics, right? Like when you go to your doctor's office and they take a throat culture to say, do you have strep throat? Like these types of diagnostic samples or samples from sick animals that, you know, the veterinarian has collected and they're doing testing on those samples. We want to make sure that they're doing it safely and that they can do it accurately. There's no going out and testing on humans. There's no going out and tagging birds or bats, which are other allegations that I've heard, um, mosquitoes, you know, engineering mosquitoes. We don't, we don't do any of that. Our focus is really on, are the systems that are in place to detect biological threats functioning? And so we're not looking to do anything that has anything to do with human experimentation or creating new types of, you know, animals or anything that's sort of crazy science fiction like that. Crazy. Uh, yeah. So it's, it sounds kind of like that all makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can relate to that. And it sounds like um, they're kind of pulling a classic ploy of just shaping, shaping in the narrative differently, but the, pe mm -hmm. the public is believing it. It's, it sounds much more nefarious and much more, you know, just scary. And yeah. that seems to be, um, I mean, especially after, you know, we're coming out of a global pandemic, right? So these themes of things must have been created to create these bad things, that is something that is a narrative that will resonate with certain groups of people. And it's not truthful, but it plays on those fears of the unknown. And we're really not involved in that type of stuff at all. In fact, what we're trying to do is help define and 
detect and report these types of pathogen outbreaks before they become something that is scary and could be a threat. And so we're, we're very far from what the Russians are saying that we're doing and creating. And hopefully people will realize that it's really important to understand what is out there and how to combat it than sort of believe that people are out there trying to create new and different things. Recognizing that your organization has been dealing with the disinformation, the false narratives being thrown out there, what can you say? Like, do you guys just counter it? Do you call them liars? How do you handle the disinformation? How how does does the U.S. government kind of handle that? Well, I think one of the important things is to make sure that the truth gets out there. And we've always really prioritized transparency and openness in what we're doing. And... When we're working with our partners and funding studies to look at the presence of potential threats in the country, we're promoting and ensuring that those results are published, you know, for anybody to see in the in the community internationally. Uh, we promote reporting and making sure that people are, you know, talking about what they're encountering, et cetera. And so, part of countering that disinformation is just making sure that the truth is actually already out there and is part of that narrative that's ongoing, regardless of countering these allegations that come up. Every time they come up, we will, of course, sort of refute them with the truth and facts, but sort of remembering and and continuing to stress that we are a cooperative program and a peaceful one, and we are working with full and open transparency. We're not trying to hide anything um, is one of the ways that we can hopefully at least set an environment where, you know, this this barrage of disinformation um, and that foreign malign influence can really be uh, not 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 gain traction as part of that that campaign that's constantly ongoing. Why do you think the, the Russians continue to push this narrative? And let me, part two, it's at, is anyone believing it? The scientist in me says, I hope, why would anybody believe something so preposterous? Um, But the scientist in me also knows that, you know, there are a lot of things that people don't understand that they will believe because the story sounds real and plausible. And I think the campaigns with misinformation are really easy to put out there because you know, you can you can make something up and push it out much more quickly than you can push out the truth and make sure that it's accurate and fact-checked and all of that. And so I think it is easy to spread this disinformation um, and it's easy to use this as justification for other activities. Um, if you're sort of already spinning a narrative where you don't have to worry about the truth, you're just pushing out these stories, um, it's much harder to push out something accurate when you want to make sure that you get all of your facts right. But that is something that we try to do as an organization for sure, is make sure that we have our facts straight and we're putting those out there and we're not just making something out, making something up and pushing it out to, you know, sway public opinion. You said you've, you've done work with, with the biological threat reduction program for 10 years. You have a strong science background. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you've been working with the program since before. There was negative sort of kind of mm -hmm. stories surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, so why do you continue to do what you do? Why did you get into it? And why mm -hmm. continue to do this when it seems like there's some naysayers and just falsities out there? Why do you continue? So I think that I have always been very interested in the type of work that really makes an impact on both the world and on public health. And the Biological Threat Reduction Program sort of does the best of both worlds in that it both you know, protects national security, which is something that is, resonates, but also does it through enhancing global public health, right? And so those are two things that I think are really rewarding to me and to work with a program that makes such an impact with, especially with our partners. I think one of the things that I really enjoy about working with this program is that this isn't something that the United States is doing alone. It is something that we are working with our partners cooperatively and together reducing that threat as opposed to you know, one single entity or individual. Because working with a program that sort of looks at the holistic way to combat biological threats means that you are basically setting the foundation to ensure that no pandemic will totally take us by surprise, right? We'll be able to be confident that partners across the world will be able to recognize that there's a threat and to at least say, hey, there's a problem here, we need help. And I think as somebody who has worked in a lab before and has sort of looked at the very minutia of you know, what's happening at the molecular level, the fact that the work that we're doing day in and day out really has a significant impact um, is very rewarding. We've talked a lot about the ongoing allegations toward the U.S. and, and partner nations in areas like Ukraine and, and Kazakhstan and other places. What about other regions of the world? Do you see this, a similar pattern? I, we do. So we work in the Biological Threat Reduction Program with partners across the world in, in multiple regions, um, in the Middle East, in Southeast Asia, and also in Africa. And in Africa in particular, you know, we've done a lot of good work um, to build capacity and capability to detect infectious disease threats. Um, the Ebola outbreak in 2013-2014 is something that the BTRP was very involved in ensuring that partners had the right types of diagnostics and could um, deal with the outbreak safely. And what we see occurring even now throughout Africa is that these information campaigns are starting up to sort of do similar things. So doubt about, you know, intentions, accuse the United States of potentially being involved in the release of, you know, specific pathogens. Um, there was some information going around that, you know, the United States or DOD labs were somehow involved in the monkeypox outbreak, or now MPOX, they call it, um, MPOX outbreak. And so, you know, we see similar things happening, but it seems to be that wherever the program is doing good work that is actually helping to reduce the threats, we're seeing this counter narrative that they're trying to sow doubt and fear about what is the Department of Defense doing here. And again, it's the same 
sort of open and transparent work that we've done in other places. We're working to build that capacity and capability for our partners to detect, characterize, and report infectious diseases. Um, nothing nefarious, nothing secretive. We're very transparent about it. That's a very good point to say that wherever we're doing really good work, they just say mm -hmm. we're not. Yes. So you talked about um, transparency, obviously, mm -hmm. and you said we we just continue to make sure that the facts are already out there and readily mm -hmm. available. So where can our public find um, information on your program and just DITRA in general? I think the information is out there. I know that the Defense Threat Reduction Agency has a whole page devoted to making sure that the facts of the program are out there and you can look there. I think there's, again, we've supported a lot of publication. And so you can Google and you will see that we have ensured that our partners are putting out that information. So I would say for official information, definitely go to our DITRA site. Um, but but yeah, we are we are very transparent about the work we're doing. You can find more about BTRP. You can find more about the specific programs we did um, in Ukraine and in Russia. We're not trying to hide anything. So the information is out there. Well, thank you, Dr. Dumphy. That was all very good information. And you've pointed us where we can gather more. So I know our audience appreciates hearing from that from you. And we appreciate your time today. And thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Biological Threat Reduction Program, visit ditra.mil at the Foreign Malign Influence page. Stay connected to hear more episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast channel to Discussion with Ditra.